Welcome to the Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 52, recorded on Thursday, December 10th, 2015. My name is Evan Minto, also known as Vampdevo. I am the editor-in-chief of Anygamers.com and my co-host today, as he has been for the past two episodes of our rebooted version of the podcast, is David Estrella. This is QX20XX. I don't know how you guys aren't tired of me yet. I figured somebody would have wrote in and said, like, just get rid of that other guy. I only want to hear Evan. Just me talking, but like, it's the same exact podcast, but with David's audio cut out. So it's not me talking to the audience, you know what I mean? The last one was really unfortunate, because I was the only one talking. Yeah, so I had to cut out a ton of you talking in order to make the audio work, because like, there's a bunch of parts where it's like us talking to each other, but my audio is so screwed up that your audio is useless without mine. My audio is always useful. Don't say that. <laughs> anyway, I should probably address that. So if you're uh, if you're listening to the podcast, last episode, episode number fifty one, was a mess. Horribly mangled. Because I uh, I recorded it wrong, or I basically just my computer screwed up, so it ended up getting uh, chopped. Like little pieces of the audio were missing every now, like every couple seconds except for some segments that didn't have that problem. So I managed to salvage some of it and throw it all together. So sorry about that. I'm recording two different microphones. I'm using two microphones right now, just in case. <laughs> so I have two different audio sources. So this one is impossible to screw up. Right, that's famous last words, but we shall see. So anyway, this is a podcast about anime, manga, and video games. And so let's get right into that. We skipped something from you last week david something last two weeks Ten, last episode yeah tangentially a video game some people argue that it's more of a book but whatever i that... read a visual novel and it's called kara no shoju okay kara is what what is kara, kara mean? Well, kara is a shell and right no okay. girl of the sh- girl of the shell <laughs> ghost in the shell oh to follow up on the uh, big shell yeah. stop that cut that out <laughs> Okay, so Karuna Shoujo actually came out a while back, and I actually played it a while back as well, but I'm going through it again because the sequel came out very recently, and of course I'm doing the classic Evan Minto maneuver where I gotta do everything again from the very beginning, including the stuff that I missed before the sequel, so that I can go in and actually read the sequel. So right. it's been uh, it's been good to catch up because I actually I feel like anytime I sit down with a visual novel I just hit click 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 and I don't actually take in any of the words, but this time around since I kind of knew what was going on and I just I kind of I took in all the words and Karana Shoujo is a well, genre wise it's a murder mystery porn game oh sorry whoa murder mystery violent porn game what huh what what are we talking <laughs> I'm about pictures of this thing and i don't know kind of looks like a porn game david okay okay so this is the word yet this is this is the good part though because in the last podcast in the segment that we didn't use you asked me if there was banging in it so i need you That's to correct. ask me again all right let's set this scene up hey david is there banging in it? Oh, yes. There is banging in it, of course. So how else are you going <laughs> to sell a visual novel? I mean, come on. That's what the people expect these days. However, the thing is, though, Karna Shoujo is kind of interesting because the banging normally leads to a horrible, very terrible end. So the banging is... So it's like a horror movie. Yeah, the banging is detrimental to uh, your actual life. <laughs> if you bang anybody except for anybody that that you can only the first time around when you play it you can only bang one person and actually live to see through the game to the rest of as you get better at it though you are able to bang more people each subsequent time well no it's literally your level the number of people who you can bang in the video game no the mechanics are nothing like that i mean like you can bang somebody and then like see the terrible ending that awaits you and then just reload your save that's all you learn just like real life just like in real life you know you make a terrible mistake you bang the wrong person and you just reload your save when you're (laughs) sick of it (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of you bang the wrong person. Bang the wrong Like, ah, I screwed up. Honestly, though, there's so many people in the world. Odds are you're banging the wrong person. <laughs> That's a really profound thought that you can only really get from visual novels. Honestly, yeah, that's why they're so successful, so wildly mm-hmm. popular, you know? That's why they're outselling. That's why Clanad is outselling Call of Duty or whatever <laughs> it did very briefly, something like that. Uh, yeah, that's actually, that, that's really, that's a really good example. Yeah, banging will always outsell violence. You know, when you actually put it out there, it's going to outsell violence. However, in the Karana Shoji, you get violence and the banging. So it's uh, <laughs> best of both worlds. <laughs> okay, what, what, what's the actual plot of this video game? Or the, well, Sorry, uh, this visual novel. Visual novel. Not a game. It's a book. Is, you read is it, it interactive? Is it interactive? Oh, yeah, actually? it's interactive. Actually, the inter- And it's a game. It's a game. Yeah, there's, well, there's like interaction for like a minute. And then the rest is reading and banging. Um, okay, so this is what will happen. Um, you play as a detective. You've gone undercover into this all-girls academy. So, I hate this already. All right. So what will happen... Are you a girl or a guy? No, you're a guy. You're an older gent. Um, how, wait, 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 wait. All right. Sorry, I'm going to pick apart this whole thing while we go. Are you, so how... I kind of, I think I know the answer to this, but it's funny to ask the question anyway. How on earth does someone go undercover? How does a dude go undercover at an all-girls school? Oh, you, you remember that episode of Lupin the Third? No, uh, n- Mina Fujiko. Nope. Uh, it's been a while. Oh, well, it's nothing like that. Are you cross-dressing for the entire game? No, no, it's nothing like that. You actually, you're a teacher. That's what I expected. Yeah, yeah. Okay, logical answer there. Um, okay, so. The only, the actual interactive bit is the banging. The banging. No, no, not the banging. Um, before that, you will normally get a very disturbing scene from the point of view of the actual murder in the game, who you don't know yet. Okay, uh, it's like so, a first person so, obscuring their yeah, identity. So you see what happens. You, yeah, and then the morning after, you get called in to investigate the crime scene once the body actually surfaces, and then the interactive bit. You investigate the crime scene, and you pick apart the clues, and after a while, you kind of get into a certain rhythm. Now, the, <laughs> the best part is that they actually, the people that were writing this understood that. So, in a very interesting move, you have to investigate things in the right order after a certain point. So... I think they play with a bit of the psychology of the reader. They kind of expected that they're going to start clicking on like the really gruesome bits. But at a certain mm-hmm. point, you know, you're, you are, you don't project yourself into this character. This character has actually got a bit of history. He's a little messed up when you actually start, you know, reading from his perspective. It's not a blank slate. He's not a blank slate. He's actually, he comes in with some, some sort of background and if you as a player start, you know, just clicking wildly without, you know, just kind of carefully assessing the situation, you're going to go straight into the worst endings in the game just because of these actions. And it actually starts how to is, reflect. How is that like, hmm. I'm, I'm confused about how that affects it because it seems like investigating something like looking at an element in the environment wouldn't have uh like an impact you oh, know what i mean but it does because he will end your character will end the investigation when he reaches he'll find he'll find a clue in like the really violent bits like the really gory parts and he'll say okay investigation's over but if you like carefully assess you know like you know the environment the you know whatever might be in the clothing those are the details that you miss because you went straight for you know like you know, the most interesting part in there i guess it's so it's that the character himself is fallible so if you point him exactly. in the wrong direction he'll make exactly. a mistake you gotta you gotta guide him and that's why the banging often leads to death because you as a detective you have a job you can't start just banging everybody yeah i mean and really choosing who to bang is very much like choosing what to investigate a different <laughs> kind of investigation oh uh, well what I'm saying is that crime fighting is a lot like banging that sounds kind of interesting, though. Yeah. Honestly, like, you know, movies will give you that impression. Oh, that crime fighting is about banging? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, here's something that I've, I've been doing, and it's related to anime, but not actually anime itself. I got the, uh, the 
Kickstarter reward for Little Witch Academia 2 a little while back, right? The Enchanted Parade. And it has a, because of the level that I backed them at, I got a Blu-ray and I got an art book. And the Blu-ray has a, has a behind the scenes special feature. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's not the greatest because it's very clearly like a Japanese, you know, DVD. I don't know if it's like a DVD packing or like a, like a TV special thing, but it's got the really tacky Japanese, like text all over the screen. Oh yeah. Overexcited announcer. Oh yeah. Right. I think I vaguely remember this one. Yeah. So I don't know. Have you, did you watch the DVD? Oh, well, no, I saw a making of a while back. Wasn't there an, like an original Japanese release? I like, I ended up watching the, um, Oh, the, maybe, maybe the making of feature. Wait, I mean, it's pretty good to like, just see, uh, Yoshinari just kind of do everything. And yeah. Then... And be like a ridiculous perfectionist <laughs> and have his producer over his shoulder being like, it's fine. It's fine. Just leave it. It's like, I have to fix the lines. The lines don't look quite right. <laughs> it's worth it just for that just to see you know this like uh this guy just kind of loses mind over the details well it's clear right that's that's his baby like he is the original creator and writer and director and character designer of little witch academia like that's his thing Mm. but i think one of the most interesting parts of it is uh they actually do some some kind of like animation breakdowns and they show him giving tutorials to his staff which is something I feel like we don't see very much of that side of the animation process in behind the scenes footage. You see it in Shirabako, which is part of why that show is cool. Uh, but you tend to, and I think you also see it in, um, what's it? Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, the Ghibli documentary, has got Miyazaki explaining a particular motion to his animators, which is really cool. But there's a, there's a scene where they're, they're, they're showcasing the animation that they like the layouts that they made so far. Right? They're doing like a layout check, and Yoshinari is pointing out somebody's animation of someone throw one of the kids throwing a tomato, and he's pointing out like you have to you know compress the body and then expand it, and it, whereas like the way that they were drawing it, the body is always compressed, so it doesn't have the sense of like springiness, like the oh. you know it, it threw it and let go. Oh wait, you're talking about Little Witch Academia two. Two, right? two, not one. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, I watched the, f- the Kickstarter. I watched the, I watched the first one. No, I don't. Got it, got it. Yeah. He still kind of loses his mind over it in the second one. <laughs> but, that's just it. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's a really interesting like moment because it's just something, you know, we've both studied animation, so we've like kind of been there, right, with people giving that kind of crit. Hmm. But you don't usually see the direct like artist doing it like a formal crit of another artist in the behind the scenes features. And I think that's like super cool. It's just him being like drawing it out on a whiteboard and being like, move the body more like this. And then it shows the finished one where the animator went back and fixed it and it looks way better. So I got to ask, did you watch, did you actually watch the, um, what was it? There was, there was like an initial edition of little witch academia two and then there were a bunch of edits that were like revised for the I, Blu-ray. I haven't gone back and, and watched the Blu-ray yet. So, but I, I have the file for the original, the Anime Expo version that they rushed out just in time for Expo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I, what I'm I really interested in hearing. It. And it, it looked really good. But you thought? I thought it looked like it lacked a lot of things. I felt like they kind of stretched themselves thin on the um, on the second one. Like, I'm not sure what was going on. It felt a lot of times like, like the first, the first Little Witch Academia is really well produced. Like every shot was perfect, but I feel mm-hmm. like, like what you're saying, they kind of rushed the second one out. And it oh, they really... definitely rushed. It, it, the behind the scenes thing shows them finishing the, man, I think they finished the animation three days before Anime Expo or something. Or like three or four days before Expo, so they had like less than a week to do all the finishing and stuff, or to, to finish it because they obviously had started on coloring on certain shots and stuff. But like, it was a super tight deadline, which is why there were issues right at the end of it, where like the upload didn't work right and all this stuff. Because I'm sure they were you know super pressed for time, and that has cascading effects. So, mm. but I, I didn't I didn't notice anything bad about the the animation in the. Uh, in. no well i mean it wasn't bad but the problem was that it was only serviceable not like you know little which ah. academia kind of 
That kind of blew me away. I didn't feel like it was just serviceable though. Like it, there was, there were some really standout moments in that. Uh, and everything was pretty consistently just, you know, solid, had a good sense of weight and all those things that like Yoshinari does very well, the, you know, very actually judicious use of follow through and stuff. Unlike most anime, uh. <laughs> it tends to just make things barely move. But yeah, there were, there were a lot of moments in the second one that actually really, really stuck out to me more so even than I think the first one, like, uh, couple of the scenes, I think Sushio might have animated them with the the monster thing at the end, the the giant. The uh, Amanda dancing with the broom was really good. A couple like scenes like that were just really nice motions. But anyway, I'm curious what the, the second one, you know, the, what the Blu-ray yeah. version of it yeah. adds on it. Because I know they, they even said, they were like, yeah, we fixed some shots. <laughs> some. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, just because it's so detail oriented, I feel like you yeah. could really appreciate it when they, you know, actually have some time and they're not pressed for a schedule to actually follow through on certain deadlines. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be really interesting, especially if they I don't know if they like improved upon some of the already good shots. That would be cool to see. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that that's pretty cool. And the the art book also has a bunch of backgrounds. No, oh, I can no imagine. text in it. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no like you know description from Yoshinari or uh, whatever his name is Kaneko. How how much was your uh, backer reward? I don't remember. Might have been like sixty or something. Yeah. And you had to like wait around. How long for that? I lost count. I there's. I have no faith in these things anymore. <laughs> there's, there's there's been a bunch I never got anything from. I never got anything from the uh, animator dormitories project. Like I'm glad to have helped them, but they never sent, or if they sent it to me, it didn't, you know, get to my address or something. The, the art book I was supposed to get for that. Yeah. yeah. Kickstarter's kind of scary, whatever that that's its own podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I see on this list, Oh wait, you wrote it. You wrote Yuri Yuri, but I think you meant Yuri Yuri. Yuri, 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 Yuri. Oh, the song is like Yuri, 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 something stupid like that. I think it's Yuri, See, Yuri. I don't know much about this show except somebody said it's got something to do with Yushiki or like it's the same people Yushiki? making it. I don't know. Or or that they're similar. I don't know if there's any connection. Well, there's cute girls doing cute things. Uh, that's what Yushiki is, except it's pretty funny and it's like whoa whoa you just wasn't making fun of it (laughs) no 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 i meant like you said like a cute girl's doing cute things no yeah yeah, yeah. it can be funny like azumanga daio dude well i mean that's that's kind of different though i feel no i i I feel like going into that is its own podcast so so i want to establish this though so maybe the cute girls doing cute things has a different connotation so it might not be accurate even to call you yushiki that because it's like a it's an actual comedy and that's when i actually like these things because it's not like they're cute huh it's like they're actually the whole point is to make jokes it's not mm. for them to just be cute in front of you well that's actually the point of all these things except sometimes the cute girls doing cute things takes precedent a lot yeah, of a yeah. lot of the time so what's it like in yuri yuri well there's definitely yuru and there's definitely yuri so i was not disappointed in the slightest by the title wait dang Wait, am I confusing this with something else? I actually thought this show was Yuri Yuri, like no, like it's Yuri y- twice in a row. No, it's Yuru Yuru Yuri Yuru. Like how is it? Yuru. How is it that I've gotten this wrong forever? <laughs> how did you not know? This was like one of like the big meme shows, like before no, something like People Love talk- Live. It, it's on Crunchyroll. I work for Crunchyroll. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Good. Good catch. There it is. Threw it in there. <laughs> Twenty minutes later. That's right. So anyway, tell me about Yuru Yuri. Well, they're definitely lazy and there's definitely lesbians. That's the thing, though. That's kind of the weird part where it's like, it's a gag, but it's also kind of, I don't want to say serious, but I, I, it's definitely the selling point where they're all girls. They all like each other somehow. And there's like this kind of twisted like love polygon that forms between all the girls that show up there's a lot of jokes there's all it's really well animated and very nicely produced 
I don't know yet. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm halfway through. It the humor is definitely pretty good. I mean, the only reason mm-hmm. why I could even like start watching this is because it's been a few years and people have stopped caring about it. Everybody kind of moved on it to. Ha- it has a new season, doesn't it? Yeah, but like, whatever. It's like third season. It's not. I don't know. It might be good. Maybe the people that were really into it have followed, kept on following it through. But I don't feel like this is the sort of like you know sort of uh, media juggernaut that it was a few years ago, where like the only thing I saw was people posting about Yuru Yuri with their Yuru Yuri avatars. Like now <laughs> everybody is just posting like idol stuff with their idol avatars about their idol video game on their phone. That's all I see now. So it it I was like just from your description, it actually does sound a lot like Yushiki, which is a show that I mm. sorry. It's a show that I watched for Otaku USA. And uh that show is pretty much the same description it's like bunch of girls they hang out they make jokes they're funny and there's a kind of a joke kind of for real yuri thing going on where yeah they're, they're kind you know of what? lesbians yeah. but maybe they're not maybe they're yeah. just making jokes you're not sure oh well no and you're you're they're, they're totally lesbians but they're not actually gonna go out and say like hey we're lesbians it's more of like the anime lesbian where it's kind of they're lesbians for you to consume yes. as a product and enjoy it's lesbians as a product for gross like, anime nerds yeah and i guess it's it makes sense because it's the equivalent of yaoi right yeah. yaoi is like gay men as a commodity well, here, for straight well, women well here's the, here's the thing that i wanted to say about it where like a few years a few years ago you know it you could have said something like, oh, well, this is only for guys to enjoy now. But I think a lot of the stuff that's come out recently, like the, a lot of the idol shows, have really blurred the line as to, you know, who is actually consuming this stuff. You know, a lot, a lot of it just comes from right now, I feel like the projection that the viewer has put on the, on the, uh, on the product that they're actually you know, consuming where a lot of these a lot of those idol things are set up so that you know you have a favorite pairing and the show kind of eases you into that like there there are definitely some pre-programmed pairings that you are meant to enjoy and they make you feel good and they make you buy all the merch so i mean that's like (laughs) i mean i keep on talking about idol stuff but that's like that's a really good current example of what's going on and why something like I can go into something like Yuri Yuri and it's really interesting to see just how quickly things changed. A lot of that stuff was sold just, you know, for exclusively male audiences. And now I'm looking at this, mm. I'm thinking like, you know what, maybe, maybe the Tumblr generation can get really behind Yuri Yuri. Maybe they already have. I don't know. Oh, because you think it, it breaks from that mold of being like squarely targeted at dudes and then well no i think it'd be co-opted accidentally i think it it can be co-opted by anybody you know they see cute girls being cute together and maybe they like each other i mean one of the episodes has two girls practice kissing and that's like so i i'm not a lesbian (laughs) but i have a feeling that if you showed this to an actual lesbian they'd be like what is this this isn't real Oh, but you, what do you mean by like actual lesbian? Cause there, I mean, there's I mean, like a lot a of, person. there's a lot of people Who's that are lesbian? like deeply invested into anime world and that's a whole different flavor of lesbian, man. All right. You're talking about an anime lesbian. Maybe that's different. Maybe well, they're more okay I'm talking, with the conventions. I'm talking like, I'm no, talking like, like a lesbian. real life anime fan, like a lesbian anime fan. Yeah. I mean like, you know, who am I to say where the line is drawn? That's true. I'm just, I'm not saying I know. I'm just saying I have a feeling that a lot of well, maybe the like sorts of maybe, stuff you're talking maybe, about would get like it would get uh, some eyebrows raised. Maybe from like who some like Riaju lesbian with like no <laughs> idea what anime is. Like they, there's there's a certain you know amount of baggage that you carry in when you get into anime. I mean let's let's be real with that. And you know maybe something like this you know you're gonna get into because you just like to watch cute 2d girls be cute together and maybe be lesbians you know that is a winning <laughs> this, formula it's really this just it it makes me so uncomfortable because it's just it's like this weird co-opting of actual life experiences of people and just making it into like a 
like you said, like a product. It is. Well, you know, that's that, you know, nobody looks at that though, because everything is being engineered by, you know, really like heavy smoking, heavy drinking Japanese dudes in a committee thinking, like, how are we going to make money? Lesbians? Lesbians. Okay. That's where the money's at. You know, but once it gets out in America, who cares? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. You know? You know, it's some it's some real death of the author kind of stuff. You know, uh-huh. nobody cares what happened in Japan once it gets here. Cute two D lesbians, great, all in. <laughs> all right, so that's Yudi Yudi Yudi. So last episode we talked about Star Wars Battlefront for well, in real life we talked about Star Wars Battlefront for like ten minutes. And I talked in about podcast. Yeah land that you guys listen to we talked about star wars battlefront for roughly 30 seconds because <laughs> that's all that was left <laughs> really i didn't actually i didn't actually listen to the butchered the, podcast the entire battlefront conversation was so screwed up i couldn't use it oh except for one line or something about like, i, I a, hope it was about rogue of, squadron we actually didn't talk about battlefront at all we just talked about uh, the Force Awakens, <laughs> and then once we got to talking about <laughs> Battlefront, the, it just stopped working. Uh, so, anyway, I have been playing some Star Wars Battlefront, as I mentioned briefly last episode, and it's the yeah the 2015 one, and it's I played more of it because I was only played a little bit when I first talked to you, and I'm kind of done with it already because it's it's as I think I said it's hardly a game it's kind of a demo there's not a lot of depth to it. Uh, I read a I read an article about it that I think summed up pretty well what I was feeling, which is that there's not like it, it's difficult to be able to diversify your play style. And I don't play a lot of competitive first person shooter type stuff. Right. So I'm not very good at actually not dying in a you know competitive environment. But I I feel like the game is very centered around like, are you good at seeing someone and shooting them in the head faster than they can shoot you in the head. Right? Like the basis of all combat. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> wait a second. I'll let, I'll let you <laughs> think about that one. <laughs> God damn it, you just slipped that in there? <laughs> Hurt me more. <laughs> You know what? To the basis of all combat, the cult single action army, the greatest tank I've ever made. Uh, We're not talking about Metal Gear. We're talking about Star Wars. If you didn't know yet. I can't believe you completely derailed me by just throwing in a Gray Fox line. I had to think about it. Like, is that the Gray Fox thing? Is that what he says? But like, anyway, it's very based around that, right? And, and, I mean, I don't know how these other games tend to work, but my one of my friends was telling me just from like his experience playing Call of Duty and stuff. It's like generally in a lot of these games, you can optimize for for various play styles, right? Like you don't need to just always be the guy who can run up and shoot someone in the head faster than the other guys. But that's kind of the only way to play <laughs> Battlefront because they don't give you like easy options of jumping into spaceships, right? So you can't consistently be like, I'm really good at flying spaceships because you're stuck on the ground for most of the game until you get in the spaceship and then you better be good because you'll be shot down very, very quickly and then be back on the ground if you're not very good. And yeah, like it's hard to, there's not really a lot of options for being like stealthy or doing anything other than like, or being like any sort of like tank, you know what I mean? Being able to like run in and be like, I can take hits for people. Like, nope, you you just have to be the one who can shoot someone in the head faster. That was the problem I was telling you about. Like, cause the original Battlefront games felt like you know just a box of toys that you spilled around in the living room. Yeah. But you know, after a while, you get tired, and then you pack everything up. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, a lot of other shooters have so much more depth to them. And- well, and and but the Battlefront, the new Battlefront is missing the only thing I think that significantly. I I, I don't think it was a poorly designed game, and I think there was some depth to it, but like. It's missing the main thing that made that box of toys fun, which is just there were a ton of toys in it. You have to buy toys. You buy the toys to fill your toy chest. Thing is, Battlefront gives you the toy chest, a handful of toys, and (laughs) expects you to cough up some money for the rest of it. Yeah, which, I mean, it just 
that sort of is not interesting enough for me. Like the the base game is fun, but not fun enough to make me think that adding more maps is going to really help all that much. And it would if if you added maps and they were free. Right? <laughs> oh. But it doesn't help if they're if I have to pay to add maps that are really just like slightly extending the shelf life of this thing. I'm I'm less motivated to do it. Uh yeah, I also I find I die way too often in the game, which is probably just my fault. But I've I heard other people oh. saying similar stuff, which is again that's like the the being able to choose different play styles. If you're not good at the one that they decided was the only play style that you are allowed to do, then you're just gonna die all oh. the time. Well, that was just Battlefront. I, you know, I just I just tossed myself into the meat grinder because right, it, it, there were so many people around. You know, everybody's just shooting each other. It was Star Wars, so you know the initial. The thing is, the Star Wars license carries it so far. Mm-hmm. It yeah, carried exactly. Battlefront so far, just farther than even like because it was originally based on what was it, Battlefield? This one is. I I don't remember Battlefield like that. Yeah, I remember Battlefront. I remember Star Wars Battlefront, but yeah, yeah. Battlefield is pretty generic in terms of the uh, you know design and and like you know, the art direction of it. I think is like my understanding is it's you know it's military they're modern military people and they're fighting and it's the mechanics that differentiate it from like call of duty and other stuff Mm. right but then Uh, you throw a coat of star wars paint on it and suddenly like (gasps) yeah and apparently like even battlefield has more depth than battlefront like they stripped features out of battlefield Oh, yeah, and they, put a Star Wars license on Because they it. know they're just going to be able to nickel and dime people like you. Just keep stringing <laughs> you along. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really playing it anymore. Um, well, it's a good thing that you didn't pay too much money for it. Well, I didn't pay any money for it. <laughs> I, I bought a bundle where I got the PlayStation 4 for cheaper than I would have if I didn't get it with Battlefront. It's a good thing you didn't have to buy a whole PlayStation 4 just for that one game. That I didn't buy it just shame. for that. I bought it for a bunch of other games, David. <laughs> I just got that because it was like coming out around the same time and I wanted to play it. No. And actually, I wasn't going to talk about it, but now that you forced my hand, I am playing Tomb Raider, the 2013, the 2013 version of Tomb Raider, the like reboot where they do that thing where they reboot by just giving it the original name to confuse oh, that's everybody. My favorite. It's actually exactly it. what they're doing with Battlefront too. It's like Star Wars Battlefront 2015, not to confuse it with the other one. <laughs> I really hope they do that with Mirror's Edge because it's been long enough. So they call the second Mirror's Edge Mirror's Edge. Even though there's only two. Even though there's only two. Mirror's Edge. <laughs> they Good. wait a really long time and they make Mirror's Edge 3, but they call it Mirror's Edge. <laughs> it's just every single game has the same name. <laughs> <laughs> but to- Tomb Raider 2013 is uh, it's super good. It's not so great if you like don't like quick time events, which I don't like. So that's like the only part I'm not enjoying in it because it has a lot of quick time events. It's a I my understanding is it is somewhat like an Uncharted game, which yeah. I have not played. Also, I have not played a Tomb Raider game ever, so I really oh, can't compare really? it to like original Tomb Raider. Really? Yeah. Jeez, how many how many of those games have you even come out? The last one I played was probably the first time they tried to do a serious reboot of that, which was like Tomb Raider Legends or whatever the heck it was called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like came out on Xbox. It was like the first you know Tomb Raider game people actually ever liked since <laughs> what was it the first Tomb Raider game on PlayStation? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, right. it was wild. You know, ago. you know what I gotta say because I'm looking up pictures of like Tomb Raider Legends. Or legend is yeah they really the thing that i really like that they did in the 2013 reboot is they really kind of like fixed that costume it has always been kind of dumb she she looks like a real person (laughs) in tomb raider 2013 and it's her when she's young so she's like a college student or something well they it's always her when she's young that's like she's like pretty young she's like She's always 20, pretty young. She's probably 21 or something. You know, and, every time it's Tomb Raider, it's like a young woman adventures into some crypts and tries not to die. Oh, really? yeah. Well, wow, well, that costume does look pretty ridiculous now. The original, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, well, cause probably because it's like calling back to what she looked like in the PlayStation 1 era, which was, you know, those yeah. tiny little shorts, I guess. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. shorts, you know, I guess you could call those shorts. 
the midriff bearing top, yeah. But in very, the in 20, very in well protected for exploring. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if you look at 2013, it's like she's wearing a tank top and stuff to like, to kind of like match. You know, it it it's obviously paying homage to the original, but it looks like she was wearing real clothes and was forced into a situation where she had to you know fight people. And so now she's wearing like the jeans and the tank top that she was wearing when she started. You know what I mean? Mm, it looks yeah. pretty practical. Uh, it's and it, it it makes sense in the context of the story because she's not like she she's not going on a mission where she's like, all right, I got to suit up or anything. She like is stranded on an island, so she's kind of got just you know whatever she came with. Yeah, you know, you can that... also change her costume, which I have done to make it even more like practical looking so you can get her like a mountaineering costume yeah that actually kind of reminds me of what ended up happening in resident evil 4 where you you just you walk in with a certain set of clothes and the situation actually just kind of takes away some of it it takes away your jacket which i thought was like the mm. most interesting one of the most interesting like little details of resident evil 4 where you just you end up just losing your jacket for the whole game right but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a super solid game. Mainly, I think just because the uh, it's got a really satisfying combat system and like stealth system. Oh, which for Tomb it. Raider never had before this game. Like seriously, though, like really? never. <laughs> Tomb Raider is like one of the jankiest games I've oh. ever seen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's actually like it's super solid and one of the things i really like about it is it's uh it's not exactly it's kind of open world it's like you know linear very very guided experience but the it's one long line that sometimes intersects with itself you know what i mean Uh, the more you talk about it the more i think about resident evil 4 but then again resident evil 4 invented like modern action it, adventure video games since it what, came what out I've, what i've played of resident evil 4 it, it, i think they are pretty similar in that sense uh and the thing i really like about it is the combat feels because of the like kind of open world feeling of it the, the combat is very like you know balanced around a particular area which is good because it means you're not you know they're not trying to balance it off based on some like hypothetical you know this could happen in any location in this world kind of thing so it's very like deliberate, but it's kind of it's continuous. So basically you can there are times where you're in the middle of combat and you can just run to the next area if you manage to get around everybody. And like it's not like there are stealthy sections of it, but it doesn't kind of have this closed door Metal Gear Solid stealth feeling where you're like, I failed that room. I'm going to redo that room. <laughs> It feels a lot more continuous, so it's like I tend to try to do stealth, and if I fail stealth, I don't go like, well, it's time to restart, because it also like auto-saves you, so I really just go like, alright, I failed stealth, how do I get myself out of this situation? You know what I mean? Just feels more like it keeps you more uh, immersed in the experience, basically, mm. because you're not you're not treating it as like, this area is a stealth puzzle to solve. You're like, yeah, no, these are the bad only- guys I need to get rid of. And I'd like to get rid of them silently, but if I can't, I'll figure something out. Oftentimes, it's like the only way stealth is actually incorporated, where you know, you're put into this one container, which is like a right. room or an area, and the in, the environment immediately presents itself as, oh, this is a stealth section. You just look right. at it, and you're like, this is obviously some place that I have to just hide and pop around and like move and try to avoid the... Uh, the line of sight of the enemy so what you're saying is it's more organic yeah exactly because stealth just feels like a sort of always present option and if you fail to do it it's also that it's not so balanced around stealth that if you fail the stealth stuff you're just going to die immediately like it'll be harder but you can get through it if you're you know if you are really like careful it's also like you have limited ammunition and stuff like that so again like like resident evil so it feels very desperate, which is really cool. So you're just you're kind of always attacked on all sides and trying to like carve out some spot where you can escape from people to catch your breath for long enough and then kind of like go back out and pick them out one by one. Yeah, it's it's super super fun. Also has some puzzles and stuff because of course it's like 
I'm, that's my understanding is of course Tomb Raider has like platforming and puzzles and stuff because oh, you're, you're yeah. Lady Indiana Jones. No, that's, that's bread and butter, you know, push around some yeah. crates. Yep, yep. Put the got that golden it's, doohickey in the hole. Yeah, you may remember this game is also from the year of the bow. So she's got a bow and it's cool. Yeah, bows are pretty cool. Yeah, she's, you can do fire arrows and rope arrows and stuff and, and that sort of stuff is like pretty cool. I just I just did a fight in like a shanty town where there's a million different ways to do it. You can like hole up in a room and shoot people with the shotgun as they walk in the room. You can like climb up to a tower and then zip line down and pick them off with like, you know, melee combat. Or you can climb up the tower and like shoot them all with arrows from up there where they can't get to you. You can like light their, you can light like a flammable thing next to them on fire and then jump down and start killing them as they panic from the fire. Like lots of different options for how to beat people. Anyway, that's that. I think, I mean, we're hitting a half hour, but I'm going to say, too bad. Let's keep going. I want to talk about a thing that we we discussed yeah. before the show. We wanted to try to talk about like an, a topic here on the podcast. And something that came up in the pre-show was burning out on anime. I'm talking about anime burnout. Because it's something that came up recently with some friends of mine. who's just talking about actually Shirobako in particular as a show that I like in theory but when i sit down to watch it i'm like "Ah, i don't really want to watch more of this Uh and it's sort of bugged me because i'm like i feel like i should like this like this is my kind of thing but i lack the motivation to sit down and watch that many episodes of an anime but it's not true for everything but i just wonder how much of that is caused by you know just being overexposed to stuff so have you have you burned out on anime i feel like you have david I did, but I feel I feel like I at least recognized it, and I made I've made an active attempt to bounce back. Mm-hmm. So it's something you know, it's something unavoidable, and perhaps you feel bad, but I don't. I feel like you shouldn't feel as bad as you do. Like it's not it's not your fault. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> it's not your fault. Like it's a self help group or yeah, something. No, it's yeah. it's seriously though. It's like it's not your fault. Support There's nothing group. wrong with you. You know, your environment is probably gonna you know you're gonna see a whole bunch of people here's the thing though, here's why I think people burn out. Because you see a lot of people around you enjoying maybe seven, eight shows at a time per season and they do this every season without fail and i think what makes people burn out is that you try to keep up and at a point it feels like work yep and that's when you finally break down and say you know what this isn't fun anymore i'm out bye peace out guys there's there's like social currency to it right because if all your friends are talking about it and you know you're kind of like hooked into this twitter ecosystem or whatever it is that you know whatever your vector of communicating about it is you just sort of feel like you're, you know, you're getting left behind. You're not part of the conversation. Uh-huh. And yeah, like there's a, an impulse to try to watch as many things as possible and stay up to date on it. But the fact is like, there's too many things coming out, right? There's just a lot of stuff, a lot of anime that gets made every season. It's like 50 shows or something. And frankly, a lot of it's bad or just mediocre, bad. right? A lot it's of it's exhausting. Like, you get the best parts anyway, when you know, somebody makes a GIF or you know just puts a jpeg series up online and then you just look at it and that's exactly that's just the best part of the show you've already seen it you can't really talk about it because the guy already posted it so it's like your interaction with that show is done in that one second that you looked at that image yeah and i feel like uh, other people have talked about this that just trying to watch all that stuff that's that's the best way to burn out because you're exposing yourself to the like the lower rungs of the ladder, right? You're just You're right. repeatedly yeah. watching the stuff that's not very good. You just you watch all this stuff that's not very good. You watch 24 minutes of really mediocre anime because maybe there's, you know, one scene that like got really popular online, so you just watch it for that, and then you see or, it or or even because you enjoy some part of it, but it's like mm. and and obviously when we say it's bad, it's like, you know, subjective whatever, but I'm specifically referring to just this like you're watching stuff that that doesn't hit the top of your scale. It's just like just acceptable enough right. to keep on, yeah, and that that's I feel like that's not enough to sustain you for very long. No. Like, like 
uh, maybe some people can like withstand that better and they're just, you know, they have it on in the background. It's not that big of an investment. It doesn't bother them that much. But like if you're investing a lot into it, it's kind of exhausting to keep investing all of this time and like mental energy into something that you only sort of are okay with. Right. And that's when you like get situations where somebody is watching two, three shows on separate monitors at like 2x, <laughs> 3x speed or whatever the hell it is just to actually oh, get through it. Are you talking about it. Serial Experiments Lane? Yeah. That's when, you, when your room starts to look like Lane's room, you have a problem. You've got a problem. You know, at that point, you know, you're seriously just doing it for work. And if you're not getting paid for it, stop doing it because you're doing yourself a big disservice. <laughs> you know, at that yeah. point, you just find just find a new hobby and then come back to it when you're done. Yeah, that's that's the main thing is finding a new hobby. Unless you're in a situation where you can't afford to find a new hobby. Like if you're hosting two anime podcasts and work at an anime company. Right. In that case, you've got <laughs> some serious issues. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I always do feel like, like, I don't think I've ever truly like completely burned out on anime, right? There's never been a point where I'm like, I can't do it anymore at all. I can't stand you kids. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, I've, I've definitely had points where I like just hadn't watched stuff for a couple of months, and I was like, eh, nothing's really super interesting right now. But mm. I do feel like just walking away from it, if you have the luxury of doing that, and you're not like working in the anime industry where you have to, on some level, keep up to date on stuff, then yeah, just like go. I don't know. Like if you want something to watch, watch something on Netflix. It's not anime. Like, <laughs> watch a movie. Watch a watch a movie. Jeez. Read a book. <laughs> <laughs> go outside <laughs> but yeah i don't know what what more i have to to say about it i guess but like it I, I wonder i feel like there's also you never truly burn out on the whole medium you know what i mean oh <laughs> you, you hit it once and then you're just you're you're on it forever right that sort of thing well i mean if, if you're if you're watching anime and you're watching a bunch of it if you're watching enough to burn out there was something there that you liked right like no, there's mm -hmm. nobody who's trying to keep up with anime who doesn't like anime at all right <laughs> like there was there were there are things that they have really enjoyed that were sort of if you're talking about like a scale here of whatever like like the like a strength tester thing or something at a an arcade or whatever it's like you know when it hits the very very top or like at a carnival hits the very very top there's like the things that do that and presumably there was something there that, that got to that top level that's like the reason why you're watching in the first place. Yeah. Right? And that to me, I, I feel like that doesn't fade. You know what I mean? If you got into anime from Cowboy Bebop and that's like your pinnacle of anime, like for one thing, you could always rewatch Cowboy Bebop and I don't think that watching a bunch of crappy anime will make you hate Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> right? And second, like, Cowboy Bebop's maybe a bad example because there aren't very many things that are that I think are like that good. But there are other things you can watch that will probably do it. But it's just you can't be like swimming with the masses in the the pool full of in the trash pile, pissy water. <laughs> you can't be yeah. swimming in the pool where I, the kids. Honestly, are I it. think I I think that's like the one of the worst things has actually surfaced up is just that this idea that we're all swimming in the same trash pile and oh like you know oh here i am you know enjoying my trash you know like screw your trash your trash is worse than my trash i actually really yeah i, I don't i'm not a huge fan of the ironic calling anime I hate trash it. thing i, I hate don't like it. it honestly like i hate it i'll joke it, around about it i'll be ironic about it but like to actually you know seriously think you know that this thing that i'm investing my valuable time in and some medium that i actually understand has hit some sort of heights and has made an actual impact in my life yeah and to consider the whole thing a big trash pile i think that's one of the most offensive things to actually think about well it's it's very related to this idea of like guilty pleasures where it's that i feel like it's a particularly like particularly endemic to our generation oh is our, this, yeah this, where everything is just done ironically well yeah it's like you can't sincerely be into anything right no. so this like oh yeah it's a guilty pleasure like i know it's bad but i like it like i i don't buy into that it's like you like it why do you have to keep making excuses and being like pretending like Haha, no but i'm not that into it trust me no i don't like really care it's just it's like this thing i put on that i enjoy right like that's mm. no that's that's stupid. Like if you like it, then you like it. Just watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, and just Even like, 
I border on irony when I talk about how much I like bad anime, but I sincerely like that stuff. You know what I mean? It's right? not like yeah. it's not a, I'm not guilty about liking to watch Garzy's Wing. I think Garzy's Wing is super funny. I'm still not going to watch it with you after all the things you said about it, but I understand that. But yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a bit of a distinction there. Uh, that it's, yeah, just like, I don't know, just like the stuff that you like. And and my point, my original point, we got on a tangent there, but my original point was just that if you kind of distance yourself a little bit, there's still stuff that you might like. You know, like, I've I've been pretty down on a, on a lot of anime for the past couple of years because there's just not much that that seems to pique my interest but i watched kill la kill every episode every week and was just like completely engrossed in it because there are things that manage to you know hit the top of that scale usually even if you're kind of burned out on the rest of it yeah and i guess we're just we're just at the mercy of the people that are making these things you know i can't i can't expect my taste after this point to just be so wide and varied that I'm going to find something every... that they're making out. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not. I've cut down because I don't have the time and I've, you know, made the hard choices where I say, I really like this thing and I don't like this other thing enough to follow through with it season after season. Yeah. All right. Well, we've, uh, we've pretty much burned out this conversation. I'm feeling pretty burnt. I don't know about you. So if you want to tell us your opinions on anime burnout paradise, anime burnout to takedown or any of the other anime burnout racing games you can email us at podcast at anygamers.com uh, i didn't actually check the email address so it's entirely possible somebody did email us between the last podcast and now oh, we'll follow up on the next one yeah i find it unlikely though because uh we've barely ever gotten emails for the podcast in the history of this show but maybe that'll be different now that we're doing regular episodes i'm checking right now ah there's that inbox with zero unread messages. <laughs> That's what I like anyway, to see. I'm on Twitter, at sign Vamptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. Me too. I'm on Twitter. You guys can't see me rolling my eyes on the radio. At sign QX20XX. You can follow him, but it's That's not two a zero XX. Not He's not like, doing anything on there. I not at, like I, in letters. I at, like, mention him on Twitter just because it's Ironically. Funny. Yeah, it's ironic. <laughs> Go check out info on the podcast at anygamers.com slash podcast and check us out on iTunes where you can rate us, you can review us and uh, subscribe to us there and read about anime, manga, and video games on anygamers.com. I write for Otaku USA magazine. You can find some stuff in there. And I'm also one half of the Crunchycast. That's crunchyroll.libsyn.com. That is the official anime podcast of Crunchyroll. Maybe you've heard of us. That's it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two... When, what's two weeks from now? Is that Christmas? Maybe I'll be in town. Maybe we can do a, uh, a live episode. Oh, that'd be insane. Perhaps. We will see. Thanks for listening. I got a, a real bad feeling. Good thing I did a, a second recording. How long is your recording, David? It's going to 58 minutes. 53. Yep. It is a very good thing that I got a second recording because I'm pretty sure the Audacity recording screwed up. Yeah.